a search. Each man different, living his own way, searching, discovering numero uno. Welcome, BBCS, to episode number 115 of the Broken by Concept podcast, the number one solo queue improvement podcast. Special guest episode here today, guys. I think this is actually our first ever in-person guest episode. Oh, yeah. This is, this is a big deal. We got support coach, Cupcake. We've done an episode with Cupcake. We did it back in last year, episode number 49. We did, we did. That episode we explored. We talked more about our time with Diables yep. going internationally, MSI and Worlds, mindset towards more solo queue and... You know, pro play and Kurt's talking about, you know, his coaching adventures. The key difference with this one, what I want to explore with this one, Andy. So the the interesting thing with Cupcake is that, um, you know, he's gone from the pro scene and just this year you've started up a YouTube channel. Yep. There's a lot of people in the audience that actually follow you. Um, I remember yep. sending a link to, remember that Reddit thing that I sent yeah, you? Yeah, that was really And useful. I showed you, and there's all this, this yeah. you know, people actually group. It's like, oh, if you guys want to go for Nathan, Jungle, yeah. Curtis, Mid. Yeah. And then yeah. Yeah, you're in the conversation. Support, go to Cupcake. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people in the School of Support come from the BBC as well. So, no, that's really cool. So, a lot of people, yeah, a lot of you guys already know um, Cupcake. I'll be referring to you, Andy. Cupcake probably is. So Whatever. We go. Yeah. So, yes, where I want to start um, is talk about that transition from from pro play. Uh, you Obviously, you did Chiefs after Dials 2018. You did yep. Chiefs. You coached for Chiefs for 2019. Then 2020, you went back to player. So it wasn't the smoothest transition. I was coaching Chiefs in 2019, and then I also played a few games for them. And then in 2020, I was coaching Diables, and then I, I played a few games for them, and I actually jumped in to the playoffs and split one. So it wasn't the smoothest transition, and I didn't like separate coach from playing very well whatsoever. But after that, uh, 2021, I actually played my last full-time year competing, and now here we are, full-time coaching. All right, so that decision and that, you know, the start up that YouTube channel because Curtis and I did the same thing, right? So this is, this is the key thing that Curtis and I realized. So I think that all three of us have different journeys. So um, Curtis obviously has been challenger every single season in the solo queue ladder. He was the pro player. I had stopped playing the game for like four years, you know, so I had to like basically come in and relearn the game and I wasn't really coaching, you know. I mean, I talked with Shern here and there, but I didn't really like get into the details of the jungle. Yeah. And then you're like more of the recent generation. I mean, you yeah. went from, again, player... Coach, player. And he was playing when we, well, I coached, yeah. when I was a coach, yeah. you're on the team, right? So you're like more the late pro player in a way. I mean, so, even last year, I was still And competing. still playing yeah. and at a high, really you were recently. still arguably the best support in the region, even just last year, in my opinion. So, um, uh, yeah, so, so, so your question, Nathan, was more, what's that transition from player to and, coach? And like? I want to know if it was similar to ours. So we, we you know, because Curtis keeps on saying that, you know, he had his coach, pro coaching career and, and then he didn't realize how much he didn't know about mm -hmm. mid lane. Yep. No, yeah. Right? And especially, you know, teaching yeah. <laughs> it to the general player base. So like, um, you know, we talk about all the time, like the fundamentals that we talk about, you know? So, so let's say someone comes into your program, Andy. Yep. What's the what's the first things you, you talk about? What's the first thing you see like a gold support player coming in? Like, because it's really different, you know. Talk spending sure. time with the pro players. I mean, I try to get some background on them. You know, how long they've been playing the game, what their champ pool looks like, and quite oftentimes people don't have that really developed set champ pool. They haven't really put much thought into it. Maybe it doesn't match how they want to approach the game. So I kind of get those discussions um, at the start. 
and then it's just straight into wave states, honestly. And this is the weird thing about my coaching journey is that I feel like the concepts that I teach, it, no one applies them at any ELO. Even when I was playing professionally, I didn't apply what I was doing. It was much more just like free flow, not really thinking, just doing. It's sort of like, this is what gets me results. This is the way it is. That's yeah, exactly, very unstructured. Uh, yeah, this is exactly what I was going to just sorry to jump in, but like the same experience, I had the same experience there where yeah. it almost feels like as a player, yeah. you kind of, because you've been playing the game for so long, you're an old school player. Uh, we played with this, we kind of had an idea of what worked, but we couldn't yeah. articulate yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. And so our job, right, that transition is more, okay, well, how do I articulate what I'm doing and then exactly. package it up in a really teachable manner, right? Yeah, I just do so much now that I didn't do in the height of my professional days. I play so much more precisely. I feel like I'm a lot better at the game. And that's because I want to be able to teach it. And if I'm, if I'm able to teach it well, I really understand it to the very depths of it, you know? Like I can explain everything why exactly it needs to happen. And in order to be able to explain it like that, you need to understand it very well. Because when I was still like, uh, you know, 2019, 2020 at the start of my like pro coaching days, I just... I felt that things should happen. I'm like, you know, just trust me, guys, you should do this. But now I can like really explain it in depth. You understand which, it way better. Yeah, do you yeah. feel as though you, so, so you said there, you feel like you're a better player. Yeah, definitely. Now, yeah. if, if you were to kind of go back in time and have this, uh, I guess, this knowledge, yeah. how do you think that would have impacted your journey as a pro player? Like what, do you, what would have been different? Like what, what, or specifically, what would have you been able to do better in your, in your gameplay? Would it be more mid-game, like lane phase? What do you think would have been different? I think there would just be a lot more structure throughout the game. So when I was playing uh, professionally, I was quite psychotic. I loved confidence, like exuding energy. That's what we are talking about in the 49 yeah. episode. Yeah, you know, like the, yeah. the bore mentality, mentality. Like it's... That's like a lot of feel, a lot of emotion, but it's not structured, right? Mm. I, didn't, I didn't know how to tick the boxes very precisely to get like results consistently. That actually reminds me of a lot when we used to work together. So I remember we worked uh, 2018, right? Was, and and you, yeah, you would speak a lot about this bore mentality and like you just visualized you this, like, that's why you loved uh, Pike, you loved yeah. Barge, all these champions that were, had presence on the map, were impacting lanes, getting shit done, always, always basically asking what's next, right? Yeah. And I remember distinctly, there were times where we would have conversations and then after in the VOD review would say, oh, just like you, you, would, you would say very vague general yeah. statements yeah. like, oh, this just doesn't feel good. Oh, we just shouldn't be doing this. And, and, but you couldn't say why. Yeah, exactly. And I think that in a weird way, we kind of said, oh, just let Andy be Andy, right? <laughs> that was our, that was our, sure. our, 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 I guess, cope or... A coping mechanism yeah, yeah, in a way much. it's like let's just let, yeah. let andy do his thing and yeah. let him do his pike and bard stuff <laughs> yeah. because you couldn't actually articulate specifically yeah. what you wanted to happen exactly. and why and i think and i found that with myself as well yeah. in, in being as a mid lane coach like if i had this ability it would have made games so much i could like tell my jungler okay this is specifically what i want you to do i want this is what i want the team to be doing this is why yeah and let's get a line we could actually get a line but there was no alignment back then was there we tried to but it was very difficult yeah it just wasn't very precise at all it was just a lot about feel and yeah at the start of 2018 um i wanted i really wanted to be a shot caller i felt like i had the personality but i didn't have the game knowledge to back it up 
and then slowly I got more confident in like my game knowledge and my performance, but it just wasn't nearly where it needed to be. And so that was my like one main source of frustration throughout 2018, 2019, 2020. It's like, I just can't explain why it's good. And I never took the time to be able to explain it. And it's so simple because I've just spent half a year now like going over a fine tooth comb with all of the details exactly why and how things should happen. And so it's just like so silly that it never happened when I was playing, but it's just like a whole new leaf that's been turned. But isn't it interesting that you learn this from coaching lower ELO players? Mm. Well, it's, it's like I'm learning... I really You're want breaking to... breaking down the game, right? Like to the fundamental yeah. le- to level. So that anyone can understand it. Yeah. And so that it makes sense why you're doing everything that you're doing and whether that's to be able to be applied to someone who's a beginner at the game or whether it's like, you know, just fundamentals are important at every level of the game. Right. That's right. Well, that's what we talk about on the podcast. All the time. Have, that's why, that's why I really want to start with that talking yeah. about the difference between our journeys, because again, I, I'm basically learning to be a pro player from the last, you know, two well, years. Nathan, you're you different because you had to do two things. You had to learn how to teach and you had to learn how to play. That's true. You guys, yeah, that's what, that's the difference, right? <laughs> right. You, guys, you guys are lucky. You guys in are a like, way. I already know all this shit. I'm already like, you know, top 10 in solo queue. Let's just figure out how to explain it. Well, like I was kind of, I was halfway. I feel like we're all actually three different stages. You were yeah. real kind of basically beginner. I'm, I was kind of halfway. And then Andy was kind of already there as a player. So we actually all did start at very kind of different mm. stages. But you guys, but that's why it's really interesting what you said, Andy, is that you feel like you're a better player now, for even sure. though you haven't played pro, pro oh, play for No doubt. That's fascinating. I'm so precise. I'm so, so confident. Isn't yeah, it? no, it is. It's weird, and like, the level of of play in the Solica game just is nowhere near the the scrims, right? And so it's just about how how you can challenge yourself in the environment. And I think I've mentioned this before to Curtis, but um, it's about it, it's because you you don't have many high elo lobbies. So typically, if especially if you're like top ten challenger, it's you and like four masters. This is specifically an Oast thing yeah. as well. We've got this well, this is actually in other regions as well. I've seen it with yeah. my other clients in the UNA. Yeah. It's yeah. the same thing. Depends what time of the day, I guess, you queue. And I used to have such a bad relationship with solo queue. I think in 2018, I only played... I played less than 50. It was ridiculous. And I got a lot of crap from from you guys and from Shin a lot as well. Mm. Um, our jungler well, I mean, we, were, we weren't big on solo queue compared to we okay. are, what we are now. As well, well, we were, there. but comparatively to what we are now, now yeah. it's like yeah. taking things on yeah. a whole new level. Like yeah. we knew solo queue was important intuitively, but we know why yeah. now it's so important. Yeah. The only reason I played solo queue in 2018 was to learn new champs. It was, it was just Pike. That's yeah. it. And the other games I just played sporadically. Um, and... I, my mentality was just so horrific. It's like I come from the competitive scrims and the stage Scrim games and everything, games, yeah. and then I'm like, I'm just expecting everything to go cleanly. And if it doesn't, I'm like, oh, well, they're just bad. I'm just going to keep doing what should happen. And then and not oh, my adapt. safe space is scrims. That's my safe space, isn't it? Is that how you... It's you, like you I, didn't, I didn't... I wasn't a competitor. I didn't really try to win every game. And I, I knew the mistakes that my teammates were making, but I didn't adapt whatsoever. So I would just like go for a dive, no pings no uh, like adapting to their body language or whatever is happening the on the map and it's like this this is a dive you guys are misplaying yeah i know i'm right you're wrong and then i'll just constantly lose it was rather such, than such adapting taking yeah. responsibility because you can you get more the more you give to solo queue the more you get out of it mm. it's exactly like an exercise you 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 lift form, you like form and form. tempo and you exercise things like that like the more effort and and the, the more precise you are you get more out of it because you're just testing things right yeah. it's like oh okay if i'm playing waves like this let's see what happens yeah and even if your ad carry plays it wrong you can still adapt there's mm. other things you can do and in a way especially as support there's always like something you can do it could be minuscule 
but there's always something you can oh, do, yeah. right? Yeah. No, I always talk about like the main two things I talk about are waves and pressure, and you can always be pressuring. There's that's the beautiful thing about league. Maybe more sp support specifically, but there is always a place on the map that you can be exerting maximum pressure. Sometimes you know if if you're mid lane or top lane, you just kind of have to sit in lane and, and catch some minions or something. But support. If the lane isn't going as well as you want, then you can be pressuring somewhere else. Or if somewhere else isn't generating pressure, then you can generate pressure. And so a lot of my coaching is heavily focused on waves and pressure. Um, that was one of the interesting things. We did a video together um, on support. We've done two videos now. So yep. we went on my, my channel about learning support secondary, one on your channel about mid lane secondary. And the first video we did was the one learning support secondary. And I was, there was two main things that I guess shocked us both. The first one was that, uh, bot lane is just all about waves mm -hmm. like if <laughs> yeah. even if you know really nothing else and you just kind of understand how waves work and the power of waves and how it leads to uh resets or good good trading patterns or avoid uh, you know jungle ganks things like that you're, you're like 90 percent of the way there right mm -hmm. or at least 80 percent um and then the other thing was champ mastery where uh I, I remember in mid i i'm big on learning your matchups and like getting very chance specific so like oriana versus x and i gotta do this 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 but then i asked you and you're like well it doesn't really work like yeah, that it's more yeah. like i'm jana and i kind of have a vague idea but like whether i'm versing jana v x or jana v that it, it doesn't really it's not as important right so do you want to maybe go a little bit deeper on that and maybe what the differences are why maybe matchups are less important yeah so i guess it's you just have more options or it's like i see support as a weird mix between like jungle and mid maybe and you have a, a portion of your game where you're laning and then you have a portion where you're roaming and pressuring and so if you hyper focus on the matchup first of all that's not going to uh you know scale for the rest of the game it's like the very early laning phase you're kind of in lane and then oftentimes i say you're level three you've got all your three abilities boom you're, yeah. done. you're a jungler now <laughs> um <laughs> So it's also like there are so many different matchups as well because, you know, there are four champs in the bot lane. So it is a little bit trickier to get precise right. in that way. And I feel like there's just less you can do as well, right? Like you're a Janna and like you have this W and E and then they're pretty simple. And then like, there's like the one thing I can do is I can cancel this one ability with my Q, right? Like, yeah. like you can't, it's very obvious what you got to do in a way, right? Whereas comparatively in mid, because you're constantly, I guess, trying to kill each other in a way like... I just feel like there's just more there's more nuance, but it's, it's in in bot lane maybe it's just a bit different because you're not trading as much. Or there's also a difference between like bot lane and top lane. So top lane it's, it's a lot more volatile. It's trickier to deal with with freezes, I think. But yeah. in bot lane there's always range champs and there's always a second person to help out. And so there's just and you got the targons you can quickly yeah exactly yeah. So, so you have more tools to deal with waves. You have another member there. There's just like more more ways to get out of jail. Right, there's more get out of jail free cards if you think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas in top, you're stunned. You're by yourself and you're a melee yeah, a lot of the time. Exactly. So you get frozen on by Darius and you're like versus your Fiora. Like, what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. So do, do you find people have a perception? What's like the biggest narrative around support people join your program? You have to break down. We love talking about narratives on Broken by Concept. Broken. Yeah. Or does Specific everyone instantly to... join in? Like, they understand how important waves are and stuff. <laughs> I've seen a few where it's just like our job is to just enchant and be safe and like help the ADC or something. And once again, I talk a lot about pressure and that's not, you're not just sitting behind your ADC, like hoping to get carried, you know? So that's probably the main one that's 
directly attached to support. Now, we probably have a lot of common shared toxic narratives with your guys, just with their general relationship to solo queue. But I would say that is the biggest misconception. And I think that ties into players' habits as well, when they just don't think about what to do with waves. They don't think about pressure. They're just sitting there, especially the enchanted players. They're just sitting in lane, not doing anything. Hoping the AD carry just carries them. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Have you struggled, <clears throat> talking there about enchanters, you personally are a massive advocate i mean your style of play is this massive pressure oriented style like you're always thinking about trying to get stuff done right even I mean, on champs that aren't enchanters i'm oh, sorry that are enchanters so, yes. every champ every on every champ, champ. but, every but champ. you specialize more in that you know rome style i would say that's like your specialty the bard and the yeah. pike that's yeah. like kind of what you're known for right um when you work with clients that play the game or choose to play the game in a particular way have you sometimes found it difficult to take your personal bias out of, mm. out of, out of the coaching. And then, okay. Say, say someone, and it, you know, comes into your program and they're a, they only want to play Lulu yeah. and they will play Lulu every game, basically, yeah. no matter what. And you're like, well, if only we just played something else, we could, we could have such an easier time here. Or if we, if we, if we, if we learned another style, we'd be able to view the game in a different way. You'd be a much better player. Have you personally struggled with maybe, uh, imposing maybe too much bias like it's like or anything like that yeah i think this is especially true for the very early days of my coaching i right. think like especially you and me curtis we have quite different ways of approaching coaching in the game i would say mm. i think that i i feel like there is an optimal way to play the game and i think nathan that might be a little bit more aligned with your mentality that if if i see a bard and they're just playing to dominate 2v2 i'm like this this isn't the optimal way to play it so I, I i mean you can rather dominate 2v2 than roam poorly but you should be trying to roam well because that ties into your identity um so i think that the biggest evolution for me was to figure out exactly like precisely when it is best to do one thing or another because i at the start i was just all about pressure and you should be roaming a lot and then you have these lane dominant players uh you know playing senna or karma and then it's exactly how to get the most out of that style and it's just understanding each style and then yeah i think yeah w what do you think about the the imposing because yeah well the reason i ask this question is that for me um one thing i struggled with when i started coaching was i would kind of have a deep sense of not like just kind of disrespect for certain champions and it's like why are we even playing the game this way um for example like i remember when i first started coaching i would really dislike coaching vlads and <laughs> cassidans and kales and stuff that's just gonna sit there and farm and play off like your two item power spike like it was right, just it's right. like to me this is not how i believe mid lane should really be played and i felt like my personal bias my personal preferences would come out more in my coaching and it would actually make me a worse coach at those as katarina was another one over time as i coach a lot i started to see the beauty in each of these champions and just kind of and and my mentality shifted from okay how do i get this person to stop playing this champion to to then 
just making this person genuinely the, the whole best coaching session is just trying to convince him it's like okay well, even, this but is my I, well, also, I'm being honest like in subtle ways yeah. I would say like it, like, it wasn't jab. directly yeah. but between jabs it's like well this is you know this is if you, you playing, playing another champion you could do this yeah if we had pressure here we could be at that play you know? right <laughs> did you ever did you have any of these my, that's my Bias. question did you have kind of personal yeah. biases or were you kind of out from the get go you just kind of had a pretty professional mentality I, I respect people that enjoy playing champs whatever it may be right and I think I can group these and like there are some enchanters that are just about scaling and it's very hard to um, get good examples of how to pressure in the early game. We can right. talk about Yumi's the main one. I think I've done one coaching session on Yumi and that was actually quite a learning process for me because I can't talk about roaming windows or other things. Yeah. It's a very unique champ and yeah. a lot of it comes through like assessment of who to attach to and a lot about like mid to late execution. Yeah. And so I had to learn that, but I was never like, oh my God, a Yumi or like, oh my God, a Sona player. Right. Okay. You know what kicks in? No, because you know those type of champions. Because like, let's say I have it for Marcy and Shivana. There's a guilt. <laughs> There's a guilt that you're not providing as much value. Yes, that's a, that that's was a part it of it as well. Yes, it's just about like it feels you, weird. It's like I'm in the coaching session. I'm like, all right, well, you know, you do two full clears, and then now let's just look at fights. And like yeah. the, the session before, then I was like, all right, this is the wave say here. You know what I mean? That, you, that's a better guilty. way to articulate it because yeah. I would have the same. I would have a you feel guilty. I would have like a, a, a maybe someone who's playing like a victor, something that's very lane dominant, and then we, we can look at like skill shot usage, wave management, like you're getting prior all the time, or, or I'd have a Galia review and we're looking at how they play the map, and then you've got like, and then I'd have. A, a Vlad and we're just getting shoved in and like alright we just gotta minimize not die catch waves don't get tilted that your side lanes die and, and then the we can, like 10 minutes and, shorter and <laughs> give, give it give the, the first three dragons <laughs> yeah. and, then, yeah. and then we can you know but if it's like it's like you feel like you're getting less value I had to, to but I, you have to come to accept that's just the reality of the situation yes. you have to come to accept it so now I say it's like you know um, you know, you're playing Masi Shivana. Like we're, we're just really not going to be able to do much. This is what our focus needs to be. It's going to come down to the mid game fights. If you don't execute, end of review. Yes, I actually call them. I have a word for it now. I, I call. Um, I believe there's like a category of in mid anyway. What I call them skirmish oriented champions, and and it's what basically the way I interpret it is, um, if you miss your skill shots on these champions, it matters. 10 times more than if you were on these other champions. A, a classic example, it's like, okay, we are playing, um, we're playing LeBlanc. If you go into this fight and the skirmish is a 2v2 and you miss your chain, that's it. And that's your strength as a champion because you are, you're picked for winning these 2v2s and 3v3s. If you're going to pick LeBlanc and miss this chain or you're playing Ari and you're going to miss this charm when you need to hit it, that's it. Like, that, like you're going to get way more punished than if you're, say, playing... Uh, Seraphine mid and you can miss your Q and you can you know you can miss all this shit but it doesn't matter because you're still going to provide value in just the team fights front to back anyway yeah. um, and like getting people to understand that was part is part of the coaching though like getting them to understand this is your champion this is significant the, yeah the importance of not having a blase mentality towards that specific ability I have a very similar but slightly different experience with that and what I talk a lot about is like flipping the switch between laning phase and, and skirmishes and team mm. fights. So I'm fine with people going fishing for cues uh, in lane, like with a bard or with a karma, you know, maybe you poke, you shove. The repercussions for missing a skill in lane, not that much. You know, you can still shove the wave, you can still roam, whatever. Yeah. But in a skirmish, if you just waste an ability, it's, it's really, really important. And sure, that would be more important for like a, a, a bard stun or like a, a blitz hook than a karma Q, but it just becomes a lot more deliberate I like that word like, though I like the flipping the switch I like yeah. that term that's a really that's a cool yeah. way of like because you're spot on because I like that because 
there are many champs even in mid lane like that. You can afford to maybe miss those abilities in certain situations, but when it comes to that team fight, yeah. you can't. Yeah. So, but that's a different mindset, isn't mm. it? It's a yeah, very, exactly. very different mindset. And like missing Syndra Q uh, in lane when you're just kind of poking around versus missing it uh, in a skirmish is going to be different, right? Different mm. impacts. Um, so that's something that I yeah, that's noticed. huge. Yeah. Um, have you okay? So now that you've been coaching for quite a while, hold on. First, I want to touch on um, talking about review process and learning. Mm. You talk about that's it. The end of review process. Right. End of review How process. You, we've actually had some talk about that. How did you think about when you first heard that from us and how have you employed it? Or do you think, because again, we're just talking about the significance of these things. And I mean, I'm very big for like, you know, end of review. <laughs> we differ on this a little bit though. We do. We do we've, we've talked about it before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I go more into mid game, even in after game losing mistakes. Yeah. And when I, I mean, yeah, bad, if you do one bad quality gank, it's end of review as a jungler. You know, if so it's like, for example, <laughs> the, the end of review, <laughs> when I say bad, so you talk about the worst quality yeah. gank, right? So think about really big wave, come gank, get counter gank, get double killed, didn't lose three, three waves. No, right? but, okay, I think, to, to be more clear, I think there is a version of this in every role. That's now, what I want so to break down. So, yeah, so there'll be a break, break, breakdown. So yeah. we'll, do, we'll do all three of us. What is an end of review worthy mistake for each of our three roles? I think let me start here because there's there's two issues here. There's one of like which role would have what that would uh, you know apply to this end of review. I'm not a hundred percent sold on the approach to begin with, and I know that you guys are big on it, and I respect you guys, and you've you're more experienced in all of this. But it, it hasn't personally clicked for me, and like staying honest to myself, I don't want to just like adopt it. You know, mm, I need course, I need yeah, to course, feel yeah. out and experience it for myself, and. It, it hasn't sprung, sprung up yet in terms of like being important. So what I look for are patterns. And so if there is a consistent pattern I notice, I'm like, great, here's a learning objective. Mm. You don't have a plan for the next wave. And it does, if they make an atrocious mistake with regards to waves, they don't end it there. If there's a pattern that starts to emerge, I'm like, you need to work on this. It's like, this is the key learning right. objective. So you need to actively see the pattern emerge before you, you're yeah. willing to kind of end the review. Yeah, if it's just a one-off egregious mistake, maybe that's not the best right. investment of their attention. That's just how I'm, where I'm currently at. Right, I'm still, yeah. I'm still like, I'm, I'm keeping an open mind. I'm always thinking about is, is how's the best way I can effectively teach. Yeah, this? and yeah. What, what you said because we talked about it briefly, Nathan, is that like adding that like gravitas to it, like this is end review. Like you need to remember this. You need to learn this and embrace it. It becomes more of a painful experience. Exactly. Right? Like if you come into a coaching session with me, I I end the review in the first like two three minutes because of the back. You're not gonna probably not gonna do that gank again, and that's <laughs> what I want to really emphasize. But I think here yeah, the because I know how important it is because 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 the thing the key thing with this is you know people sometimes critique this like this is this is how I learned come this is how I learned the game. Mm. You know, very quickly, I think, compared to most people. Yeah, and we, we briefly talked about the double-edged sword aspect of it. Of course, Where people yeah. can make a mistake that they would think, oh, this is an interview review mistake. So I just give up in the game. Yeah, and so it's of like course. that the, the perfectionist might really struggle with that approach as well. And mm. so I'm still trying to get a sense of if it's the best approach. I don't even have a formula for it at the moment. I've, I'm feel it out. Like, sometimes I'll do a short review, sometimes I'll go past it. I think the, the better quality uh, question here, the problem, real, the, so I guess the core of the problem is actually how to choose a, a good quality VOD from the client. Yes, that's right? very I important. I think that's where yeah, it is. Yeah. So, so for example, let's say uh, a client picks a random VOD. They actually don't know what their problem is and then they bring this VOD. I'm going to be more inclined to go through the VOD more holistically, even in potentially into the mid game, even though 
despite early game errors, just to kind of see where they're at, how they're thinking, and ask them a series of questions throughout the VOD review. If a person has a very particular problem, let's say they say, Curtis, I've been really struggling to dying to early ganks, or I've been struggling with um, dealing with this particular matchup, right? So a classic one is like, how do I deal like with Vlad or Cassidy in lane, countering Cassidy and Vlad? Um, and they will make an egregious mistake in the first five to six minutes, right? Mm -hmm. There is no point going past this because in mid anyway, in certain matchups, they've come in to the review with intention to learn about this specific matchup. Yeah. We don't need to go any deeper than that. So it depends on what the client is looking for. I'll give you a classic example. If you're playing, if you're playing, uh, let's say, uh, uh, what's a gangster? Let's say you're playing Pantheon into Cassadin. And you, you, like, you've counterpicked this cast in mid with Pantheon. You've got like a, a gank oriented jungle on your team as well. You've got like a lease in. The most stock standard of all stock standard situations. You're going to do a shove, two stack, bounce, get the way back on your side and set up a really easy gank because you need to get ahead and get shit done, right? If I see this Pantheon for the first, let's say five, six minutes of the lane, just permanently keep this shove every lane, every wave. And Cassidy just gets, gets a free level six and gets a free level chapter. End of review. It's end of review because no matter what, the game is in an alternate reality that it should never be in. We're never going to be in a situation where Cassidy's going to have a free level chapter here in the, any reality the, as Pantheon. The way that I frame it is that whatever happens after this game, there's no point problem solving this because that's this right. Is not we shouldn't never be you should never be in this situation. But that's a very particular situation. That's a that's like a. It's a very niche situation. So you, where I'm like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a combination between, I would say I, I will do it sometimes, sometimes I won't. I, I don't have a, a cookie cutter formula yet. I've just got to, I'm just feeling it out as well. Yeah. It's probably different between the roles, right? Because I mean, junglers, we ruin games. I always say, I always yeah. say in my reviews, I yeah. said, this is a perfect example, guys, of why we're the most hated role in the game. Because look at what we're doing. Like, we're destroying games. So maybe it's just a role-specific thing. Well, support as well, you you always can have impact. But it depends on, like, that person's learning. So let's say, for example, okay, uh, let's say you have a client who really wants to focus on, like, being a lane-dominant player as Karma. Like, that's the, 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 like, they really want to work on the wave management and really, like, just maximizing their skill shot usage or brush control as, like, a Karma, right? Um, and they bring in this review and they come in and uh, they make a really bad mistake with like, maybe they don't jungle track and they die to a level three gank. Is it even like, where do you draw the line? Like, is it, should they have just never brought that review in or, or, or do you, cause, cause then at that point you're now a zero one karma that then lost like all this farm. You're actually not being able to be a bully anymore. What value are we going to get? We could go into mid game and work on your mid game, yeah. but that's not the point. Uh, to be honest, I don't even get uh, students bringing in VODs with uh, a, a well-articulated problem. And right. so what happens is maybe people feel pressured to you know, have a reason to bring a VOD and then they're like, I, I kind of want to look at this VOD because I feel like my mid to late game team fighting wasn't up to scratch because I always ask why people bring VODs and what yep. they want to look at. But then 99.9% .9 of the time, we're not going to look at what it's, they want yeah, to look at. Yeah. They got nothing yeah. to do so with I'm not this. really sure why I'm asking it. You know, it's <laughs> like, I, no, I actually thing, still yeah. think it's worth asking because you actually get to see what their mentality is like. And, and like what they I do and don't know. I think it helps them as well because then they think this is what I thought was wrong with the game and Nathan's just told me the complete <laughs> opposite. I think it's still important to us. Yeah. It's like for fishing. That, You're like that, fishing for info. Yeah, for that, it, but yeah, it's for that mental sort of, 
you know, sort of realization. It's like, hmm, I'm really thinking about the game a lot differently than Nathan is or something like that. Yeah, well, the, the most common I get is my early game is pretty good and my team fighting isn't up to scratch. And then I go, <laughs> yeah. I go to minute one. First wave, second wave, I talk about it for like 20 minutes. And then it's like, (laughs) well, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Well, especially with support, like the early lane is so, so, so important. Yeah. It's it's massive. And so you mentioned earlier that sometimes you like to get a holistic overview of the VOD, maybe like on the first session where you do move into the mid to late. That's something that I've really struggled with because once again, I feel like my concepts are just foreign to everyone. It would have right. been foreign to me last year. It's even foreign and to me when we did the... Exactly, the I was yeah. like, oh, this is yeah. a new game to me. I was and, like overwhelmed. Yeah, and it's all focused on early game as well. And so I can't really gauge how they're going to do in the mid to late. I know it's important. I know it happens every single time they play the mm. game. There's going to be a mid to late game. And then we just have to spend so much time on trying to learn what the fundamentals yeah. are. And I'm, I'm not quite sure how to find that balance. There's just no, I, 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 I just think, Andy, there is no formula right now. I don't have a formula. I feel it out. Some clients, I will go into mid game. Some, I, some I will, some I won't, right? I think the common trend though, and, and what I, if I were to go do a bit more investigating on this is it has to do with that person's, not, where that person is currently at, but also the champion they play, right? Like, so for example, you talk about that Yumi, client mm-hmm. you if even if, if it's that person that first person review is yumi there are certain champions that aren't gonna have a lot of wave control or yeah. and you're just gonna naturally have to go into yeah. the mid game yeah. right so if i'm coaching a a katarina or a or a Cassidan or a vlad i don't want to end the review at like five minutes it doesn't make sense because the majority of that champion is post one item or whatever post six whatever so you need to know how to like adapt your coaching to the champion yes. right and so i yes. learned so much from that yumi game i'm like yeah. Okay, so I guess you can't roam here. Okay, so you can't hit the wave much. And then I'm like, oh, I should be talking about mid to late and who to yes. attach to and stuff. And you so learn. I just wasn't a good enough coach at that stage. Yeah, I, I, I said this, I've said this straight out to my clients in the MLA. I was, a sh- I was shocking at coaching Yasuo, Katarina, Kassadin, all these champions like at the start. But then I actually, I, I, I actually made a note. I had like a notepad of like all these champions that I struggled to coach. And then I, one by one, would laser focus on each one. So I had like a Katarina like month where I would just watch Katarina VOD, talk to Katarina one tricks, reach out to Katarina players. Like I did the whole nine yards for all of them until like I, then I, that was my specialty. Now I love coaching Katarinas. I don't mind, I, I don't mind coaching Yasuo's, all these champions that I hated before, like I actually love. Yeah. Did, did that translate to the champs that you play in solo queue? Cause I typically, um, like you mainly have success on the majors. I don't know if that's like fair to say. I didn't. I don't really see it as like the Yone, the Yasuo kind well, of. Well, I was a, I was basically a Fizz one trick last season. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I, for me, it's this more. In, okay. In in mid, there's a lot of very unique champions. So in support, right? Like, enchanters are enchanters. Maybe minus Yumi. But imagine Yumi. How is he, she, she's like a unique champion in herself. Yeah. There are many of those in mid. There is a many of these unique champions. So I'll give you some examples. In mid, there's like these the classic majors. There's like Oriana, Syndra, Victor. You could even probably loop in a Nivea in there and a series of majors. Then there's classic assassins. You have the classic assassins, like maybe like Zed, Akali, uh, whatever. And then and then there's kind of like subcategories. So then you'd put like maybe Fizz and Kiana in a similar thing. Um, and then you would and but then there's there's like another subcategory there. Yone Yasuo, very unique as well. But even they're very different. Yeah. Then you would have Katarina. Where do you put Katarina? Where do you put um, Vlad? Where do you put Cassidy? These are we- these are all very unique. Kale. Where do you put them? Mm. 
they're not that you can't just say they're you can't group them, you can't group them. Yeah. and they all play yeah. very differently they some spike katarina spikes very different to a cassadin cassadin spikes very different to a and it's and like what i learned is that even the miniature spikes matter like if you're playing yone and yasuo berserker grease spike is really big but then noon quiver is quite big but then Aurelia, again, Aurelia is another one. Where, how do you put an Aurelia in there? So that's what I've noticed for mid anyway. There was so many unique champions that I can't just use my knowledge of X champ to, to kind of compensate for that. And I've realized over time, and this is something that I, um, I wish, again, I knew, I had a Fizz background. I played a lot of Fizz. And Fizz is, again, an incredibly unique champion. And uh, you shouldn't learn the game through the lens of many of these champions. Like if I if I if I'm honest with the client now and they want to play a champion, I don't. They said, Curtis, I want you to give me a recommendation for a, cha for a champion. I never say any of these unique champions. I always say you want to stick to a classic archetype, a classic assassin like a like a Zed or a Diana, some or an Echo, something just that has like a really basic holistic kit or a classic mage. You don't want to learn the game through the lens of a unit. It's like imagine learning the game through Yumi. Sure. It's, yeah, it's you're not a completely getting, different game. You're just getting like a very thin slice of the game. It's like, what's an example of that in Jungle? Like, Master what's it, Like learning the game through a Yi lens. It yep. just wouldn't be a great lens, would it? Yeah. Well, that explains the the emphasis that you place on champion mastery and matchups if they're all so unique. Yeah. Because like for support, I, I group them, like there are a lot of engagers, mm -hmm. there are a lot of enchanters. And then I have some trouble categorizing the rest. I say playmakers and I kind of put like Bard and Pike and like Thresh in there. But holistically, if they fall under one of those classes, then I can give like a, a blueprint for how they should like generally play out. I was wondering how that works for jungle. Do you have like early gankers and full clearers, or are they just all unique as well? All right. So this is the way that I th I think about it. Even when I say Marcy Shivana, you know, you can still learn all the jungle fundamentals and a big picture about the game still through these champs, through win conditions. You still got to think about that sort of stuff. The way that I think about it is this champion has more options than this champion based on their kit and the champion, right? So, I mean, you guess then you could break it as like, yeah, okay, well, then Nathan, that's just an early game general. Okay. But again, I don't want them to think it's like, I play Shivana, I can't gank, right? right? You, know, you need to adapt, You right? got to adapt, right? And, and you, know, it's, you know, if there's a heavy trading lane with the wave state, it's good. Any champion can go and kill them. You know, even a bloody support could probably go there and yep. kill them, you know? So that's the way that I started framing it differently. You know, I used to have that. It's like early game jungle. It's just, you just get in this narrative mindset it's like because then i see so many you know situations especially my high elo players like who were playing even stuff right they had to start doing different path and it's like okay you're gonna do blue gromp wolves your top laner is heavy trading you, you're gonna do red and you're gonna be there and you're gonna gank you're gonna, you're gonna help when you're gonna protect them so you know you really you, you're playing jungle still at the end of the day so i think that it is a lot different in terms of champ master jungle's a very different jungle role in that sense like you just learn the game as jungle you just learn jungle you have to learn jungle you have to know what's a good gank what's a bad gank mm -hmm. and then your champion you know at least can obviously pull off much easier ganks even with sort of bad same with champs like nunu because that's what i found as well some of my nunu clients they they really struggle with what's a good gank bad gank because they can get away with really easy ganks stuff like that does that answer your question andy yeah it's i'm trying to think why it doesn't fully apply to support it feels like jungle just needs to be a lot more fluid potentially Absolutely. especially in the early game because I, so. I give these categories and i just don't have any issues with them yeah if if you're playing enchanter versus enchanter just like permanently shove it doesn't really matter which enchanter you have which enchanter they have it doesn't matter what's happening in mid and top or whatever yeah i think there's just more 
adaptation required in jungle and there's just more mastery required in mid because you could see how many times have we played it? let's say we, we were playing against a yeah let's say for a shivana or let's say a nocturne he's not really you know he, he can sort of do things and suddenly he's like four or no in the early game you're not going to see a yumi or a jana four you know what i mean like yeah but that can true. happen yeah. as jungle can't it so i think that's where mm. the difference is yeah you can just randomly be fed mm. even if you're not meant to be an early game jungler yeah but i, I still i wouldn't ever I, I don't see a position where you would change your playstyle as like an enchanter to become a roamer necessarily Let, let's say you're yeah, playing a renata sense. and then yeah. there's a really volatile mid jungle it's like you're pretty immobile you know you're yeah. just renata like renata, you just kind of got to do what your kit allows yeah. and maybe jungle because they're so fluid and moving around the map they have more options generally yeah i think that's definitely the case have you have you found that the game like we disrespected the game as players this is, this, this is what i wanted to know from you guys again because i really wasn't involved with that and again it's so i love that andy said that he's a better player mm. than he used to scrim all the time because i have such a big emphasis on like mm. especially with my coaching client will you know he's he's gets he's starting to get in you know he's on 100th he's academy that whole scrim culture and he's just showing like how important he still views solo queue is and, and he's coming from the opposite end because we went from um solo queue you go solo queue competitive no solo queue anymore but he's like okay will solo queue solo queue solo queue competitive solo queue still really 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 important and he still mm. views that as a huge part of his yeah. improvement now i was one of the players with the least respect for solo queue it was it was almost infamously like tied to but, me. I just didn't play it. But you didn't come up with that yourself, though. It was it was sort of the narrative, wasn't it? Isn't that just the you just that's forgotten you come up? It that? was just my relationship with the game. I didn't. I all I used it for was just to like learn a new champ or to test out like some strategies. But I just really didn't care about the result, and I didn't really test myself as much as I could have. And like Curtis said, I didn't put in much. I didn't get much out of it. And I will say that I did. I was. Ex genuinely exhausted after scrims and so i'm not sure how much i could have as well yeah like I, w I was gone yeah and so there was an element of that yeah um so I, i'm That's not true. sure how much i would have been able mm -hmm. to give to solo queue but it still would have been a lot more than zero <laughs> do you do you find um that the game is so much more complicated than you thought it was initially like before you before you became a coach good question i actually i haven't struggled to find a solution or to categorize things yet surprisingly and so i'm i'm in a really confident spot as a coach just mm. in terms of knowledge now getting it across and figuring out exactly how best to work and with seeing others patterns all the yeah. time you're gonna see because yeah. i mean i can literally review a vod and i already see what's happening and i already yeah. know what to say basically yeah so i, I feel like the game is a, and from my perspective it almost feels right. solved right. to be honest like i know i agree i'm the same with jungle yeah uh i don't really think it's solved uh, it's solved in the way again thinking like there's a correct decision yeah, this there's, there's like the best but yeah. this is this is where yeah, yeah this, is, this, is, this is the difference this is where we differ yeah because yeah. i am because you either clear you it's either gankable or it's not gankable that's as simple as it is we had a we we roughly touched on this in the the we did that uh, video together we, we, we reviewed one of his talia games mm -hmm. and 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 it's interesting because like we talk about talia support no he played talia mid because oh, okay. like, he's we, we made a video on mid secondary oh, and yes. i was like watching him play right and yeah. um we 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 uh, I tried to keep it simple and talk about win conditions. And yes, there were going to be some games where, yes, there is an objectively correct decision. But I don't believe as a mid laner that's always that obvious because there's in jungle it's a lot clearer because you're not interacting with someone. It's like I have 
all these options and it's only me and I, no one's going to stop me from making these decisions in a way. It's like, it's like for example, we use that, that example from the BBC last episode where Chippy's, the, the Olaf top was spam pinging you. You you can choose to say no mm. and do whatever it is that you want to do. But imagine if someone's in your face and they, 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 they're forcing you to make a They're decision. forcing you to yeah. make another decision. Yeah. So it's, it's sometimes like I might have a plan and I really want to do it. But shit can happen mm. and that can change and then I got to adapt. So I can't really say objectively in any moment, like maybe if I in this, if we pause the game and we could sit there for an hour talking about it, I could maybe maybe make an argument to say this is the best decision. But but I feel like the game in mid, there are so many ways you can approach winning it. The, the, that's okay. the problem. Because I'm but, a carry. This jungle, is, that's the big difference. Jungle as well, you still are getting into a reaction. Fight. If the enemy jungler shows someone, you're going to have to... You have two options. You either counter jungle on the opposite side or you're going to have to go and defend, right? But my, 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 my key argument And sometimes, here, sometimes it actually is not a correct move there. Like you could, like I could see sometimes... Okay, so sometimes. let's say... I'll give you an example, okay? Let's say um, I am playing a control mage like Victor and uh, there is a... Let's say there's a, a relatively heavy trading top matchup. Let's say I got a Yone top and this Yone top is versing a, let's say a, a Darius or something. And um, I could either, I could either uh, stack and really bully the hell out of this Fizz mid and just like, just annihilate this Fizz mid under tower and like make his life kind of miserable. And, and deny him all this, this all this farm. Or I could use this three stack wave to go top and potentially influence this Yone v Darius matchup. Those are two really and big different options. These are different options, yeah. but how do I, like some games that will be very obvious, other games is not. But there is always an optimal decision, right? Like you have a- In terms a of netting the most gold, right? In terms of what though? In terms of optimal in terms gold. of what? Like killing the Nexus. What do I mean killing the Nexus? Like, what are we talking about here? Just the most effective play to, to lead to victory, I guess. I mean, like, there's no doubt that mid has a lot of options, right? You, you can do things in the 1v1. You can look at, yeah. you need to look at both sides and you need, you need to adapt, right? It's, there's no way Nathan and I, we just have a blueprint. We just play. We don't adapt to what's going on. Yeah, it's huge. And that, that's mm. like, that needs to tie into your decision making. So your decision needs to be whatever is happening on the map. Okay, I, I, I get that. My, my, my number one critique of this though, is, and the reason it doesn't sit well with me is because I don't like thinking of the game in terms of like, this is the most effective decision. Like this is the perfect way to play league because um, it's too theoretical. How can I prove, how can you prove something is the most effective when we the, can't the, go the back great, in time? The great metric is gold. No, it's not. It is. Is it not gold? No, it's not at all. Because gold, gold is only like let's say, sure, I go top and I get Yone this, I get Yone this kill, and then that nets us, you know, seven hundred gold, and then. But if I were to make this other play mid, I'm actually, you know, I deny fizzle this farm. Yeah, but how much gold does that net? Yeah, but like, let's say I could be gaining five hundred gold for my Yone or removing five hundred gold from my fizz. What's more impact? What's more impactful? Yeah, but that's you get specific there, Curtis, because. That there's no but, okay, but let's say okay, let's say gold. even so, then, but then it's the the quality of that gold. Let's yeah. say it's different. Some champions don't it's need not a lot just of gold. gold for sure. Okay, there is that's <laughs> definitely now on it. It's yeah. it's XP in there, and there's win cons, and there's yeah. there's all this stuff. My point, okay, just hear me out here. My main point is that it's too theoretical to even think in terms of like what is this is the the quote unquote perfect decision and. Um, this is the most effective decision. You can strive for the most effective decision, but you can never say 
that this is the most effective decision because you'll never know. I'll never know in that situation whether the best decision was to three stack here and bully this Fizz or go top. It's too th I can't go back in time and then replay out how reality would change if I were to stay mid. Sometimes it will be very obvious, but there are many, many, many situations where it's not. That's my point. But like, you know that you'd want to punish Cassidy in pre-6, right? But you wouldn't be able to say in terms of like gold or XP exactly what to do with waves. You just know what to do with the waves. You know that's the best way to approach that lane. In in, in certain situations, yes, it's very... If yeah. I'm playing Pantheon into Cassidy yeah. and I've got a lease in jungle, it's very clear what the most optimal course of action sure. is. But you wouldn't be able to explain it. You just... No, I would. No, no, I would. That makes sense because it's, it's like incoherence my champion's identity. Yeah. I want to get shit done early. Yeah. Cassidy and scales. I want to shut him down early. Yep. Like it makes sense. That's you, you can apply that to other situations. But there's too many variables to play the later the game goes on. If you're at 17 minutes and the, the situation, there's so much more. Apply. There are more, but it's possible. And so this is, I just want to bring up a quick yeah. thought here. Yeah. Imagine we're playing in season one. Okay. Okay. And no one knows what the hell is going on. There's no analytical approach to the game. It's just, you're just kind of feeling it out. Hmm. Okay. The better you get at the game, the more you can translate to the analytical, the more that you can explain what the best play is. Mm. And so I see feel or adaptation as a lack of game knowledge and it can be filled with game knowledge and you just have to get, you have to dig deeper. Mm. And this, I'm going to do one last analogy. Um, so remember when, oh, well, not remember, but I mean, everyone used to think that the earth was the center of the universe, right? Mm. And Obviously, like, no one would really question it, but things have changed a lot, like, since then. And, well, no, I, I lost my train of thought there. I see where you're getting there, Andy. Keep going. <laughs> I, I get it. Um, it's like you, science dig deep, and then they found out we were. Yeah, 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 exactly. So they, they, they didn't know the reality, and then they, 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 the they found out the reality, yeah. you know? Mm. And if you don't, there, there's always an explanation there. And if you don't have a proper explanation, you're going to fill it with things. So okay. they, they filled it with like, this, this is a, a, like a structure that kind of works for us right now. Like yeah. the, the earth is the center of the universe. It's, it's not a reflection of reality, but it kind of works. And so you can translate that to like season one. We don't know what's going on, but this kind of works. And then the more, the better you get at the game, the more that you understand the game, you, you, you can fill it there. There, you can have knowledge to apply the best decision. Okay. I've got two things to counter this one. Okay. Number one, you got to remember that, um, I think there's a limit to humans abil ability in a given, like in a given situation in a split second decision. So you think about practicality a lot. Yes. I'm thinking practicality. It sounds like the biggest, the biggest thing you jab at is just too theoretical. Yes. Okay. The second thing, and this is the most important thing. Let's, let's use an, another, I'll use an analogy. Okay. Let's talk about combat sport. Let's talk about UFC. All right. We'll talk about UFC. Let's, let's say we this got a, a great analogy. I'll say and, and we've got two elite performers with, in um, uh, like incredibly sophisticated skill sets. They've got jujitsu, they've got wrestling, they've got striking, they've got all this stuff. And and we've got, we're in, say we're in a title fight, we're in round three and there's been so many engagements. People are getting tired. There is there. And still, if we were to pause, hit pause here for so a second. This is the perfect thing to do. We hit pause thing and we'll just say, okay, this is everything that this human can do here. And this is this everything this human can do here. And we got to take into account what's happened so far in the situation. We could theoretically say, okay, he should fake here, set up a combo and then kick him or some shit. But in a situation, it, it, it's so far removed from reality that it's, it's just kind of a meme at that point because it's not 
possible for a human in that situation to quote unquote pick via thinking, via logical thought, the best decision. What they will do is will be via feel. It will always be via feel. They might not even be able to tell you why. They just felt like I had a read on this guy and that was what I did. And we don't doubt that when it comes to sport. We don't doubt. We just, we just say yes. Okay, do you think there's, do you think that, that it will ever, if we continue to fight for the next 300 years that he'll be able to, we'll be able to explain I don't, I don't think so. There's, there's too many permutations. Right. So there, there is a lot of chaos and a lot of different things can happen. And I think it's a coach's job to provide order and structure yes, to that chaos. I agree. And I you, think you can, that... Sorry, keep going on. You go on. Anyway. Like you, you can compartmentalize things. So you can never just fully explain because it, it's too fluid, right? But you can, like, you can, you can think about... You can, you can chunk it up. You can think in, in sections. You can think like this wave, what should happen? you know, I have one window to move here and that you can chunk it and you can make uh, a best decision in regard to those chunks and you can have a game in those chunks. And then there's always a decision that works for those chunks. Mm. If that makes, it makes perfect sense. Okay. Listening to you guys, Andy, this is my conclusion. Jungle and support are way more structured roles than mid. They are. That's why I have struggled with yeah. this. That's why when I teach, I teach in mindsets. Yeah. Is it, is it more structured or is mid just harder? Okay, bit of both. I mean, more, more. All I see so far is more options from mid. I don't, I don't teach maybe. Because you, okay, you, so, you so, said many times, Curtis, that you you envy teaching jungle. I do so much, massively, Be- because the, the, okay, this is my this is my okay. I'll give you. This is more of a recent line of thought, Andy, from my journey with Ari. Because Ari, I've learned so much about the game through Ari because Ari is the classic example of a champion that can be interpreted so many different ways. You look at even players on Oris. There are many Ari players. We've got Shock, myself, there's a few others. And they all play Ari in a very slightly different way. Now, um, we could dig deeper and get specific in each of these games and say, okay, okay, we should have actually built this item and in this fight peeled instead of dove or in this moment here um you know done x but then there are certain situations where it's like okay what is the uh what is it comes down to personal expression creative expression because the, it's like for example if i'm coaching chirp chirp is a guy high low player in my mainland academy he might just have the quote-unquote confidence to be able to hit skill shots and go for this play top that's very high value and get this playoff but another player, they shouldn't make that play because they don't have that confidence. And then if they were, because if they were to mess it up, they'll miss another huge opportunity on the other side of the map. My point being is that there are too many factors, both personally in terms of ability, in terms of the psychology of the players in that game, in terms of their, their setup and the way they interpret that champion's identity. There are, there are so many layers to it that in order for us to dig deep, like, you know, when we're talking about optimal decision the optimal decision would only be optimal for that person in that moment of time for example if i'm in that game it would be different because that's not how i I might be playing ari differently in that game me and chirp interpret ari's identity differently it's so hard to say like is when you say optimal league of legends you mean optimal across the board in all in all iterations or is like is it optimal for that person in that game in that moment because we take two bard players in a given situation based off their ability what do you say is like, what's optimal? The best play that that that, that yeah. factors in execution or does, 
is the best play an easier play because they don't have the execution? Sure. So there's going to be macro and micro here, right? And yeah. I think on macro, maybe we can be mainly on the same page. Like everyone would make roughly what might be able to come to an agreement on what yeah. the best macro decision is. I think in terms of micro, there's like there's risk versus reward assessment or how how willing yeah. you are to take a high risk cut, like what percentage is your cutoff kind of? So, 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 exactly, that has to be factored in as well though. So how do you, how do you say that's something's objective? Okay, okay, best? okay. That's, that's my point. Right, yeah, okay. I think, no, I f we're finally on the same page here. I would say this play, like you could make an argument between two plays, like this is yes. fine and this is fine. Yes. But there's always, it's either this is fine or this is fine or this is best. It's never like, man, this game is so hard. There are way too many things. I don't know what to do. Last point on that. I think well that well I well we kind of we are aligned on that point, but there is, I, we still are not aligned on the sure, other. Sure, sure, sure. So I still think the macro is there are situations that are so close and so complicated okay. that I still believe that it's it's borderline impossible. You can make an argument for either one, and that's what I would say in my games. And if I'm reviewing someone else, like yeah. I can see this argument, I can see this argument. I'm not saying this one is 51, 49 percent. Yeah, but like you can definitely make a strong argument for either one. Yeah, I want. I want to say one last thing. Okay. Um, it sounds like maybe our experiences in solo queue may be affecting our mentality here mm. because I'm I'm very confident in being able to make the correct decision. I've never experienced like, man, there are so many ways to play Jana, and there are just <laughs> right. so many different yeah. things I could do in this one. Yeah. Just like I'm obviously exaggerating a little bit, but I'm I've never felt that, and mm. I'm I'm very confident in being able to direct to like. The, a good play yeah and then maybe on the other hand way more factors for mids way more variance and then you have yeah. to adapt the way you approach the game and the way you coach to accommodate for that i think that the last before because we can probably talk about this the last thing i'll say i think what this is actually boiling down to i think is more jana we took jana right sure. jana's jana like you said yourself, you spike on once you get your first item or your three, or even get level three, you're basically Jana. You've unlocked Jana at level three, right? And you've unlocked Jana at level six. Um, there's only so many items that you can build, and that's not really going to shape your identity. You're not even going to get items. There's not no, mu not much variance. Right? Not much variance. Mm -hmm. With Ari, my identity completely shifts based off the items that I build. If I build Zonya's second item, that completely changes the way I play that team fight. Yep. Or if I build death cap second item, that completely changes how I play that next team fight. That changes the macro. It changes the micro. It changes everything. Then on top of that, there's runes and the runes I take changes how I play the game. It, like I might have gathering storm. I might have DMATs or whatever. It can change how what, what I can and can't do. Then on top of that, there is also then, okay, um, let's say there's a situation where I have, I could go bot and then dive bot, or I could go top and dive bot. Sorry, dive top, sorry. Um, sh okay, so yes, we might be able to get very, very detailed about what is hypothetically the best, if we're talking like the best Ari player in the world. But then the, then it goes to another level, which is okay. Um, I've actually got a setup that's catered more for peeling, and it's actually better for me to play around my bot lane, even if they're... Quite, it, might, it might be a bit more high value to go top here because my my setup is more catered for playing around bot. Um, and then so there's like that factor of how how your setup and your your interpretation of your champion's identity influences win conditions as well. So there's there's like so there's just like a lot of layers here. And I, I get where you're coming from. And I, I get if you can chunk it down, we could probably break it down. But it's like where do you draw the line in terms of like are we just overwhelming the are we just going so deep that 
like there's no value. Right. Like like we might as well just say, okay, as long as you're you are thinking about win cons and this is a viable win con, and as long as you play in accordance to this, you will win. Sure. Like because that's like kind of, kind of where I'm at. It's like I, you can do top, go top, and play around this win con as long as you know what you're signing up for and you play in accordance to it. You can go bot, you can do this as long as you know how the game is going to play out and what you need to do to play around that. That's kind of where I'm more at. That's why playing perfect doesn't resonate with me because i've never we've had this conversation this is this is the difference this is the simplest way i've yeah i can break down a perfect jungle game mm -hmm. and it's actually not that infrequent from a high elo player i would be able to jungle. do the same for support. support and i can't do that at all and you can't do well, that it's, it's, it's so dependent on the sure. game yeah. Yeah. so i think it is so, role dependent a, a perfect you. casio game can look a trillion different ways so a lot more variables and you're worried about that overwhelming mental state and then you'd I don't think the human brain would be able to process that many variables in mid. In mid, I agree. Ever. I agree. Okay, and then you have to kind of adapt how you approach the situation. And that's why I, I, my coach, in a way, and the way I play is like, it's less about the quote-unquote best play in those situations. Like, it's all about committing to one and, and understanding what you're signing up for and like... Sure. Yeah. That's that's at least how I teach, and I, I could be wrong. I could be delusional. I could. There could be. Maybe it is chunkable, but I just can't see it. At least now for the next few years. Anyway. I couldn't see it through mid, mid, and an eighty carry probably as well. Dude, we got to get an eighty carry on the top on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, dude. I don't know. Right? It's, it's fascinating to see the game. And this is why there's so much conflict in solo queue because we all each role has completely different lenses of the game, what they want, and it. Always, what I say, the best players understand what everyone wants that's that's the biggest thing that i've really focused on this year for my solo queue it's all about what is my teammate i already know what i want because i've already got the champ mastery now it's the next levels is how does my ad car want to play this team fight how does my top lane want to play this game how do i win the game through top that's the biggest thing that i've learned creating more chunks for the chaos right yeah it's, it's, some it's order to create it. more order yeah. yes it's it's how do i find more that's exactly that's, that's all we do by the way and what we have been doing is how do we impose as much order in as possible chaos. on an incredibly chaotic game <laughs> that was the the most fun and the, the most excited i've been to coach is like People approach League and they're like, this this is so scary. What the hell is going on? I give them a chunk, a chunk, a chunk. Yep. And they're like, oh, okay. It's yeah. digestible. Is, it's pretty doable. That's yeah, what the fundamentals are so beautiful. It's like, if it's we just fun, do these dude, few things, it. at least you're going to have a consistent first eight minutes. God, I love League. You just ward at 2.30. You, you know what to do with the waves. You, you know your champ's identity. You're going to have a good first eight minutes. You know your matchup. That's it. Yep. I love sure. it. That's it. We sold. We just retire, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Every role's different. We're structured. We're going to have our own perfect games and... <laughs> <laughs> all right next topic i want to dive into um our solo queue what we've learned this year so sitting on here right now we've got rank 10 i think you're ranked 10 right now on the Ocean Something like server yeah. i'm ranked 20 and curtis is like 48 he's on the cusp i'm on the cusp so we got three players right here in the top 50 of oceanic challenger challenges only 50 spots what is some, I've sort of mentioned some of my key takeaways. I want to know from Andy because I want to get. I want to keep diving into you know the difference between your you know your improvement here on solo queue as a pro player. What is the key things that you've learnt this year? You've focused on that has taken you to the next level. Right. I'll, so I'll just talk briefly about my journey. Um, it, it's been pretty smooth. It's just I haven't been able to. I'm still learning how to balance the best use of my time. And so I'm not doing like the three block that you guys are talking about. I'm like, how much time should I put into this? Can I still coach really effectively with a few less games? Should I do like YouTube or streaming, whatever? So the main thing that I've been trying, so the, the main external goal is to be rank one support and to stay top 10. Yep. And I've maintained that for most of the season right now. I'm, I think I'm rank two support. 
but yeah okay so what was your question the main takeaways what what's what's improved you the most in terms of your actual so it sounds like that's, okay that's okay yeah yep, yep, so really yep, specific yep, style yep, okay stuff. so one of the tools that i've developed that i'm the most proud of love tools Here we is go. ace mentality which is acknowledge the best play communicate the best play and then e embrace reality Ooh. and that embracing reality is so important and this goes back to my days in, in this 2018 is what you didn't have i didn't have it yeah i i knew what the best play was done right i didn't communicate it so what was the, i oh, didn't so, embrace reality all oh, right so the same one's communicating yeah and this is this is so like groundbreaking for so many students mm. it's like oh i should actually ping I should actually use my body language and my pings to communicate what I want. Because mm. there's no point in being frustrated with an outcome if you didn't do everything in your to control influence. Yes. to influence it, right? Yeah. And that, that's communicating and that's embracing reality. And so that's something that I've really embraced and it's made me... You've seen insane success for that yeah. in solo queue. Yeah. It's because like you, you're not going to have structured games. You need to adapt to the chaos. Yeah. And you need to do everything in your control. And, you know, that, that has strengthened my resolve a lot in terms of... If anything is out of my control, I don't care. Did I do everything in my control? If so, done. You know, I don't care what happens. Do you have any analogies that you help your students uh, use with your students to help get across this mentality? Analogies to get across or ace metaphor. mentality. Yeah, yeah. Like, because yeah. like, it's, it's easier said than done, right? Like, sure. it's like, sure, I have this ace mentality. Here's the ace mentality. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's on a platter. You know, it's like, like, I know it in my brain now. I'm just going to execute Well, it's it just it. like... Yeah. So I, I should definitely get better at having analogies and metaphors. I think they're really powerful tools. But I think what has worked so far is just asking yourself, have I done ace in, mm. in a situation? Right. And if you're starting to get tilted, like... It's the first question you ask. It's like the, yeah. Maybe yeah. it's like your, your... Is your counter 10 like a tilt thing or, or a... That's Nathan's counter 10. That's a specific mid-game learning objective. Do, do you have anything for like... Because, I mean, supporters integrally tied to ADC at least for the start of the game and there are so many decisions that you need to make based on another player right so for early That's jungle right. early mid you can just kind of do your own thing but if you want to get level two first as a support you need to be you need your ADC you to comply right one, and so yeah. you need to you need to communicate that and if he, if he doesn't do it then you need to back off and embrace reality do you mean do you actually communicate before the lane starts like, have you ever told your clients like to do that? Because like, in high, oh, in high, don't don't no, do that. So you don't type <laughs> don't at all. Yeah. All you need is is pings. pings. Interesting. Yeah. And if people are pinging toxic uh, in the chat, then you just you just yeah. meet the pings individually. I don't think you need to use chat whatsoever. Okay. I don't think it's necessary. Well, what do you guys think? I I I'm big on talking and chatting. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Things oh, like so give drag. So give drag is a big one. I always say. Well, give you could just back ping drag, right? Yeah, but like uh, sometimes I like to say again, going. Nathan, like, you do type. What are you talking about? You always type in my games. Okay, yeah, but I'm talking about. Okay, I do. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> no. All right, no, no. So going to you know how you said that I, I asked the question is could I've influenced <laughs> the most, and that's a combination of like yeah, it's like set up drag, I'll ping it and type. I think that's like gives me the most influence. But I don't. I weigh the pings way higher. Yeah, ping, pings are like if you can the, do the, things. The, the chatting is like ten percent. Everyone might mute me and you know sure. not listen to me. Sure. I think that the pings are just so effective at communicating. You just They're have fantastic. you have yeah. you have the back pings. You have on the way. You have missing. That's sufficient. I actually I agree. I think it's sufficient. I disagree. Really? <laughs> okay. I, I've actually got an on mid. Uh, a few. I've got two on mid players in the MLA, and on mid. Like you need very specific things to happen, right? And and I had a client beats, he's an O's client, and he plays on mid, and he literally won a game by telling his AD carry what to do. 
Because he needs his eighty k, he's eighty k. Stand behind me, like like I'll, I'll peel you. Like literally, he, that's <laughs> what he, sounds like. It sounds basic. Or something. No, like he's in plat, right? Okay. And okay. and they lost every team fight, right? And then he typed inside, like eighty carry, stand behind me, and he won the game. The next team fight, and they won the game. And um, that's an ex- exaggerated example of typing, but I believe typing things like give drag, hover me topside. Because sometimes like a cis pink topside, they don't actually, don't, they might go and then leave. Like sometimes you want your jungler to actually hover you or or you want or, um, like bait Baron. Like Baron especially around, like how do you know, like when you start Baron, I always type turn or bait or- That's really important. Like that I've stuff won is games really- Okay, yeah. Those are the, that's the only situation I type turn or bait, bait yeah. or like turn on my R or something. Yeah, so I'm saying pings plus a very short that's sharp- That's maximum influence. That's maximum influence. Yeah. Like I believe, yes, pings okay. are like a lot of it, but like max inf- influence is the You want to control as much as you can. Yeah. You control. I, I think it's just a cop out for us personally, at least for me, like not typing. Like typing is good if you can use it well. I just don't want students to- get involved in the in the toxic bullshit yeah and right. you know some some people are very inefficient or ineffective at typing they're just going to be typing type essays essays. Like, <laughs> i think it's more advanced yeah yeah, yeah I, I i because you know how you say that i do it well like for that reason i don't really tell my clients i start with just pings well, you type a lot. Well, like, okay, I stuff. do. Type, I think, but I'm saying again because I'm a bit more because I'm more confident. Because what will happen? Yeah, is, but we're talking about if we're talking about you uh, know doing the, the Andy special in the most optimal, you know, the best okay, case scenario. Okay. We're talking like the best of the best. That, that's like, what you should be doing. That's what you should be okay. doing, right? I, I can see that. Yeah, I think so. What I think might be optimal is that like. You, you type, but everyone else is muted. Yeah, yeah. That's I, right. I, I say yeah. that. I actually say yeah. that a lot. Like, type into You can't oblivion. have a conversation about why no, you're muting no, no, dragon. No. Mute all and then type into oblivion. I do that a lot. <laughs> I've never seen anything useful in chat in solo queue. Like, Ever. Like, I, Unless it's from me. No one else time sums. I time sums. Yeah. yeah, yeah okay, no so so you sometimes, yeah, but you're like, you're like the exception. No one, no one else types <laughs> anything useful. It's just a bunch of passive-aggressive nonsense. Yeah, speaking of pings and stuff like that, remember that game we played, I think it was a week ago, you we were playing Bada, I was playing Rexide, dude. We were macroing the shit out of that game, dude. Like, we were like, yep. we were dynamic duo. There was only one, there, there was only one oh, chat. Oh, shit. <laughs> There was only one chat that happened, right? We were just pinging, and then you said just like give dragon, and that was like the only thing that was said in chat. And I I think that's all we need. Yeah, that's all we need. It was just pings, but that's what I'm saying. It was purely pings from that game. That's all you need. So while we took the little intermission there, um, our producer Charlie mentioned something. So we went back to that conversation about the end of review, and he said, he said, okay, let's say we'll give you this is a, a hypothetical situation. You got a client. And they come in, Karma player, and they're playing Karma into Alistar. We'll, we'll just leave the AD carries for now. And the Karma doesn't get level two first and gets shoved in by an Alistar because they maybe didn't order the wave or anything. Is that borderline end of review? That, yeah, okay, so... <laughs> <laughs> I would say it's part of your identity to dom- You have to dominate this lane. Yes. You have to. yes. I'm not sure if it's I end would end of review, right? <laughs> like, like you can just go my, on. A re- when I play Karma as well, my end of review, Andy, is missing the first Mantra Q. <laughs> you have to hit Mantra Q's. You got yes. to hit Mantra Q's, right? End of review. So my point being that you would just go on a riff there. You would like you. You wouldn't like say, all right. That's all the learnings. From you, that. you, 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 that's all the learnings because no matter what happens from that point, you're getting shoved in by an Alistar under tower, 
as a karma, it's like, what do you, what am I doing? Like, I'm not a champion. So it's it's not it's not doomed. Like they they will crash a wave, and then you'll have a new wave to come from. It's not about the game. It's about the learning. The, it's about the learning. Of course, you're not going to give up. That's there's, the point there's not there's not a point of you can still dominate the lane even if you don't That's get right. level Correct. level right. two but, first. But like, let's say like they get shoved in, and then like the, you just see the coming just not ordering waves. Okay, yeah. Like, I mean, I'm talking about waves and pressure and your identity it. for like 20 minutes. That's right. Spot on. So that's an end review mistake, right? Where it, like, it's not end review in the sense that you just tell the client to, you know, get yeah. fucked and you, you know, yeah. move on next. But it's like, <laughs> you rip on that for like 25 minutes. Yeah. That's the point. Yeah. No, that, that karma, that's probably the one example where I would agree with you. Right. Yeah. Because <laughs> like Charlie wins. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Last thing we want to touch on here. Uh, students what makes a great student we've talked about yes, this before this obviously question. obviously Andy has had a lot of experience with different lots of different clients not as much as you guys but I'm getting there yep um, what have you found what are some observations from the support position what, what makes a really good support student for you again not, so, not in terms of like their rank when they join but like just someone that's gonna yeah. uh, improve really quickly so whenever I think of what makes a good student it's nothing specific for support and maybe you guys share that sentiment. But I would say the first point is to be curious and to really try to understand the concepts that I'm trying to teach. And a lot of the times you can just kind of feel that they're not really, it doesn't really click, but they're just kind of saying yes. Or they just take everything at face value. They don't, they don't like dig a little bit deeper here and there. Like you, sure you, you can really tell. Yeah, it. you can yeah. tell when someone is genuinely curious mm. and trying to figure out what is really going on and, and trying like to why. understand the yeah yeah exactly trying to understand why for sure um another point so i'm not sure if this is just like recent times for me but i've had a lot of students that just this is this is, sounds pretty bad but they just talk way too much they and they just go on like huge tangents about like champions they've played in like season eight or season nine right or they just just a lot of verbal diarrhea and I really want to help get the most out of the session, right? I want to be able to help them as much as possible and then I just sometimes feel these times where we're not progressing anywhere and the best students I've had that have improved the most, that have taken the most from the sessions is, it sounds so bad, but just very little talking, just listening and asking questions. And poking prod when necessary. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And this is some of a... a this is an ego thing as well, I think. You, you see some mistakes and then they, their automatic reaction is to try and justify the mistakes. You know, like, oh, I did this because this and this and this. And yeah. Charlie, yeah, we're going back to our producer. So I was reviewing with Charlie a lot, trying to get his jungle in, right? <laughs> and Charlie would come into the review. We did it for a week. And I'm like, Charlie, just shut up. Like, like, <laughs> yeah. like, just and then he said, all right, Nathan, I'm coming to the next review session. I'm not going to say anything, right? And just tell me what to do. And, you know, and then, but he still just goes on and just keeps talking because... I don't know. I can sort of see it though, because you're trying to like justify your thought process and you know, <laughs> yeah, like, but throughout the game, but it's really not helpful. Yeah. Like sometimes I feel like you, everyone makes a decision for a reason. That's right. That decision yeah. sucked. I don't yeah. care why you made it. This is how you should think to make a better decision. You <laughs> yeah. know, it's like, yeah. how deep do we want to go into them justifying this bad decision? But I also don't want to just impose my, but it right. is also important to understand sort of what they were thinking there. As well, don't you think? Or you don't think it's not... I, I haven't had any value in those situations. I'm like, you, this whole chain of thought is just bad. Like, yeah. I just want to cut it there. And this, these are the things you should be taking into account instead. And this is the yeah. approach 
to the situation that you need to have. And then I feel bad because I'm like, I'm just kind of shutting down this person and <laughs> yeah. like, shut up, just listen to me. Yeah. But um, I feel like something you just got to learn sometimes to not be liked. Like, I feel like there are some clients where you just are, you are harsh and like, you got to remember you're not there to be their friend. Yeah. You're there to like help them with the game. Right. And like, you got to find that fine line. I think some clients kind of get that intuitively. Like you're saying they don't talk as much. And, and, and it's not like that we don't, want to talk it's like there's just other people here that we got to get through as well right you want to get them you want them to get the most value out of the money they're spending right they're spending money you want to make sure they're getting the most learning i think something that comes with i think just with time and is you i think me and nathan found this you you learn to shorten reviews like at the start my reviews would take forever and then you kind of just cut the fat, just cut the fat, cut the fat until That's a like, skill that takes it's a, a skill. Time. It's a skill that takes time because you cut those. I, I stop. I'll just, I'll literally just stop the sentence. Like if someone talks too much, okay. I would say, yep. Yeah, yeah. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. Okay. And, and then talk about it, Then just go okay. to the next point. I need to do that. Yeah. Like you just got to cut that. That's the, the fat that you got to cut. Yeah. Um, it takes time. It just, it takes time to yeah. develop that. No, that, that makes sense. And I've got a couple more points on what would make a really good student. And I think detaching ego, this kind of ties into that point. But if they can just see mistakes as mistakes to be improved on, and that's it. No, they haven't attached their, their person, identity. their yeah, identity. Like, you made a mistake, you suck. You're yeah. bad, you're just dumb or something like that. That's important. Yeah, it's like yeah. They, they can look at it objectively. They, yeah. Like they can almost see their champion on the screen and say like, oh, um, I'm Pike there. Uh, like Pike shouldn't have done that, you know, like really detach and be able to just remove all uh, emotions and ego from the situation just to figure out what should have been done. And I think that's Definitely a easier lot, said than done, but a really lot harder. It is to, hard. Yeah, it is hard. Yeah. Well, that's borderline what I say. I call that a stage. That's a stage three issue for me. I call it like that's like a mentality problem. Like there are certain clients I can tell straight away that it's like, for example, you get clients that come in and say, look, I get really emotionally affected after a loss. Like there are, there are signs, right? It was like, I have to stop after one game in my block. Like there's, a, there's like people who say things like that. It's like, it's already ringing alarm bells. Okay, well, why are we getting so emotionally tied up of one loss, one game? Okay, we dig a little deeper. Oh yeah, I, I just feel terrible when I lose. Like, and then that's the sort of thing you're talking about. They take the loss personally as a, like a loss in real life. Like I'm, I'm, I'm losing like... Curtis is losing at life. It's no, it's just like, this is one game. Nathan likes it. This is, we're in the dojo. Getting messy, <laughs> getting dirty. Doesn't matter. Just accepting your current level of play. Dude, you can improve at league so quickly when you really embody yeah, that mindset. Yeah. I would love to bring one of my favorite sayings in here. And it's, be more afraid of missing opportunities than of making mistakes. And like making mistakes, it's, it's necessary to learn. If you yeah, don't, there's no other way. You, you will not improve if you don't yeah. make mistakes and learn. Yep. And so what I often point out, I, I almost always point out missed opportunities. And then when mm. a mistake happens, then they're, they're kind of like tensing up like, oh, sh- I'm going to get like ripped into here. I'm like, that's I'm, I'm glad you went mm. for that. And now this is a learning. Mm. You've learned from this. You know how to do this better. I'd much rather you do this than just do nothing mm. and not test those limits. Yeah, I totally agree. That's really, really good. I love that one. Because I, yeah, if they don't make those mistakes, they'll be rotten away in that rank for years. And that's why I say that the the stock standard response for most league players is that they will be in that rank for multiple years, multiple seasons. That's like the standard. So like if you're going to, in order to not be like that, you've got to get uncomfortable and learn to love being uncomfortable. If you're not uncomfortable most of the time, you're... 
You're stagnating. You're going to stagnate. And remember, yeah. there's no such thing as stagnating. You're getting worse. You're either getting better or you're getting worse. Especially right. League of Legends is an evolving game very quickly. Yeah. Um, anything else, uh, Andy, that you wanted to, to talk about today? I know you brought a few notes here. Um, <clears throat> I think just the last point in terms of being a good student, I'm not sure. I mean, this would be, I, I don't really know how your stages work. This sounds like a stage four or five, but like having respect for the out of game to bring in as little baggage as possible and so that the the session doesn't really turn into like a therapy session right. too much and so we can just focus on yeah. learning objectives and obviously that's a lot easier said than done as well but that's mm. just if we can focus on league and you do respect the out of game your diet your 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 general health mm. um your mental health everything then it's it's important right and it's important for everyone in every situation you can't get away from it yeah yeah yeah, and that, that's that's the thing. I, I totally resonate with that. Sometimes the, the the sessions do just turn into a little bit of a miniature therapy session. Yeah. But for me, I actually kind of look. Sometimes it's unavoidable in my like. Yeah, I just got to do it. You like, got to do it. Yeah. We, we're gonna have this one session with this client, and we'll get this out of the way first. We'll have this therapy session. We'll make sure you're getting on the right track. Then next session, we'll talk about the gameplay maybe more. Like sometimes is justified. Other times it's not. It just depends. But um. Yeah, I think I, for, out of interest for you, Andy, do you feel that with your clients, you like to talk about the game first and then delve into those more mental things? Or do you kind of address the mental things first and then go into the game? Like what order do you- I, like I feel like it, it generally turns out as mental and then game. And it, this probably just stems from the discussion we have at the start. I just mm. want to get to know them a little bit, their yeah. journey, how they see their relationship with the game and stuff. And then we can kind of get that out of the way and then we can really dig into the details of yeah. the game i'm not sure if that's optimal or that's just kind of how it's working out at the moment i feel like it can't really be any other way though because mm. i feel like if you just ignore the ignore the underlying issues yeah. and then you get into the game they're not going to get any value mm. that's how i feel i feel like we have to address the, the, the psychological stuff first mm. i think uh Curtis and I, I guess, do you get many students come in that say they've watched Broken My Concept and they understand the... Or they say they've, they've come through and they, they use like your, a lot of your language. Terminology. So that's great. That, that'd be a good client. I feel like that, <laughs> Much easier. I, I hear about other coaches and stuff like that. I think the great thing about what we do with this podcast is people respect the out of game stuff because they've come through the podcast. Sure. So yeah, it I, helps I actually can sort of bypass a lot of yeah, that yeah. because they already get it. They already know. We what get I'm a very say. specific type of client. client yeah. 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 And that's because this is something that I've been thinking about. Like you guys, you don't typically do like gold and below or silver and below gold and below. No, we do. No, we, we, I, I, I might, well, gold four is the highest I'll do. Yeah. Cause I get fantastic, people in like silver and below who have the, the a good mentality it's right. a lot of the times it's not like they're stuck in silver for 10 years horrible it's like they maybe they swapped a role or maybe they're new to the game mm. and i can like build from the foundation and they do have like it, it's not uncrackable you know um yeah it's something i'm only thinking about more but the the main reason nathan that we i think we did it is that we kind of want the person to to do it by themselves as a because it, it's almost as like, it's kind of like a... Well, you believe getting to gold is sort of just like doing the... It's kind of like a rite tests. of passage. Yeah. <laughs> in a way. Um, to kind of show that you're dedicated enough. Because I don't really, like at least... And, and this is something I, I I know that I'm probably wrong on. And this is something that like, I, I think I'll probably change at some point. Like, I think I will, like you, maybe go to silver. 
maybe not bronze, but silver, because the, maybe there are some clients that you can just start from rock, from like- Absolutely. I mean, look at Patrick. Patrick is a great example who's- uh, follow the BBC mantra, you know, he's the, we've done the episode mm. and he's like, you know, 36 year old full-time job and, you know, he was putting in a lot of effort. So I think it's, it's, it probably is unfair to say that, you know, you know, we're definitely not saying that silver players don't put in the amount of effort is like, mm. they probably, there's probably many that put in more effort than some mm. of my maybe platinum clients and stuff, mm. right? But um, I view it more so it's like a different skill set and I just don't really want to, I feel like that's just not my strengths. Right. I, I mean, I'll briefly talk about my experience and, a lot of it is just like watching the first two to three minutes talking for like 10 minutes and like this is what you have to work on right like you have to put in the time here these are things that you need to work on and it's really hard to have a longer session because yeah. like it's so it's so clear and simple what you do need to work on yeah yeah, yeah. i mean maybe, maybe yeah it is. Maybe. um yeah the last thing i will say about this is that the other reason i personally didn't enjoy coaching just from a personal level i didn't feel like i was giving them money guilt thing as well i feel guilty sometimes yeah. it's like they're they're paying i don't think i would feel guilty about it anymore because like the midland academy is the midland academy like there's the community Lots and the resources, resources and i'm yeah. the same for the school support and, and soul too but before when i initially did this uh, and when i started the midland academy there was nothing there right so there was no community when i started this rule right it was only go for and above i think i could probably change that now because a silver person would get value for their money before there was nothing and I always felt like, okay, we're going to do this session like you. We're going to go for 10 minutes. We're going to talk about how to CS and then that's it. It's like, well, could they have learned that from a video of mine? Probably. I, again, that, I, I might be wrong here. This was just my, that was my thought process at the time. And I've kind of, kind of just rode with that. I, I felt guilty is what I'm saying um, yeah. for that. But I, I feel like that's that's like, that's not on me. Like, I feel like that's on the client. If they want to pay money to streamline that process, that's on them. Um, because they'd the, be for sure having a faster journey, right? Like you're going to get a silver four client to go four way faster than they would by themselves. Like that's just a fact, right? So it's hard to say. Uh, it's just like the type of people that are, I don't know, attracted to this type of content that they have a, a pretty solid mentality and they are open to yeah. making drastic changes. Maybe but maybe it's just like the silver, the type of silver four client exactly. that yeah, you're getting I mean. is yeah. different. Yeah, you're, it's not just like a random silver four that doesn't care about the Definitely game. Definitely not. I think that's I've had bad experiences in the past. So that's because that. that's we didn't even really have the podcast back then. Yeah, as well, maybe right? that so makes maybe sense. It's maybe it's changed. Maybe time to revisit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, silvers, we're coming. <laughs> yeah. It's All right. Cool. Well, thank you for the podcast. Hopefully you enjoy yourself here anyway. It was a lot of fun. I always just, I lose track of time. Yeah. Uh, This is the same with our video, Curtis. I just, it's so much fun talking to you and you, Nathan. So no, thanks for having me on. You've got to make this a yearly thing. Come by to Melbourne. Definitely. Yep. I I was I could talk about League of Legends. Bloody, we, how many episodes we've we done? We've done in 120 <laughs> episodes, almost like we've talked about how many hours of League. Like we just talk about this all day. Yeah. Stuff, you know, so we love it. So and it's really interesting again to get. Yeah, I love I love getting your and I'll be so interested to see you develop as a coach, coach over the next yeah. like year. Me too. You know? Me too. Yeah. And like sharing our learnings yeah. like this is so cool. Yeah. Different perspectives, especially in like the different roles, like the sport yeah. jungle mid. No, that know? was that was fun. Awesome. All right. Good work, everyone. We'll see you on the rift next time.